This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Thanks for joining us at the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. So Michael, here's our question. Why do people blame God first instead of Satan? And I'm assuming when things go bad. Yeah, let me give you like an example that I think is applicable to bad things, God, Satan, et cetera. So I want you to imagine that I am a parent and I'm sitting in the room and my son is playing with your son. Okay. And I'm watching them. And my son says to your son, I'm going to punch you in the face. Mm. And I say nothing. Mm. And then my son punches your son in the face and I do nothing. nothing. Now, I think what that does is it captures, I think it misrepresents, but I, I think it captures how people perceive uh, the reality of, of God's providence, meaning the reality that God allows, ordains, or permits all things with the reality that Satan is doing harmful things and God could stop it, but chooses, but chooses not, not to. to. It is a moral dilemma. Why doesn't he? There's two answers. He could or he couldn't. Mm-hmm. If he could, that presents one moral dilemma. If he can't, that presents another moral dilemma. The God of the stars who created the sun with his words can't stop Satan. Yeah. I mean, no matter how you slice it, everybody who tries to answer that question ends up in a moral loophole. Well, they end up putting God on trial. Totally. At the end of the day, like, there are just nuances and dynamics. Whenever you're dealing with will— or the this thing called free will. I don't believe in free will, but mm-hmm. the idea of a will, uh, uh, the free exercise of our will within the limitations that we have. When you have the idea of responsibility and God's providence and evil and good, this is hands down. I don't care who you are. If you're an atheist, you have just as big of a problem answering this question than the theist does. And in the world of theism, uh, there are so many different answers, but every single one of them raises multiple moral ethical issues. It's not a question, I believe, that somebody's going to be able to answer well. Now, I'm not the guy. Let me be really clear for a moment. I'm not the guy who just says, you know, there's a multiplicity of opinions. Therefore, we can never really know the truth. No. I think that is a weak, sad cop-out for most issues. But on this issue, I have never heard anybody ever give a biblical defense for how the exercise of my will and human responsibility can coexist. Yeah. How election— and responsibility can coexist. It's a tension that is yeah. I've heard philosophical incredible. arguments. I've heard people theorize. I've heard Jonathan Edwards give multiple illustrations how a good God can exist and allow evil to happen, but I've never actually heard somebody give an explicit biblical explanation. And I appreciate all the philosophizing and theorizing and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm like, God has not revealed with clarity how these things coexist. And I feel like he doesn't have to We have to trust him. Absolutely. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the things revealed belong to us and our children, but the secret things belong to God. Right. That there are things, multiplicity of things that God has said, I'm not going to reveal. Right. I'm not going to tell you that. I I don't even have confidence that when we get to heaven, he's going to reveal it. I hope he does. I expect that he will, but I don't know. And so... I think, though, that what the reason people go right to God is because they understand that God is above Satan, is in control of Satan, could stop Satan and doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think rightly so, intuitively, they're saying, God, you could, but you don't. You could. 
And the human fallen conclusion is this. Because you could and don't, you're therefore guilty. You're guilty and you're it's, bad. It's on you. Because in my analogy that I gave at the beginning, I would be a negligent parent if I knew my son was going to punch your son and then didn't do, didn't anything, do anything to stop step it. In. And then once it happened, didn't do anything to punish it, right? right. That's all just negligent parenting. Mm -hmm. And so the logic is understandable if God is like a parent over Satan, you know, but there are nuances that God has not revealed to us about this dynamic. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example in the book of Job. I'm trying to put together in my theological grid and my God concept why or how Satan, A, had access to God to accuse Job, um, why God played the game to allow Satan to, Satan torment, to torment Job, Job yeah. why God sat back, the immense pain. Job went through way worse than the vast majority of humanity will ever go through in terms right. of human suffering. And God knew about it, permitted it, sat back, did nothing. Now, to God's credit, he told us. He yep. didn't lie about it. Right. He tells us that apparently this has happened, at least pre-Christ, mm -hmm. before Satan was fully disarmed. There's been, a, I think, a disarmament that the pre-Jesus, pre-death resurrection, pre-ascension story with a different context. But at least he tells us. He shared the story in his this. own words. Right. He's not hiding it. You know, like, yeah. he's not like, oh, you found out about that? Yeah. Oh, no. And for the life of me, I don't know how to justify it. But my heart does not go toward this place because I have faith. It does not go to this place of like, what a jerk. Because here's my core conviction. And you've heard me teach on this a gajillion times. But I remember the first time I said this in the pulpit, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the sermon my heart needs to hear for the yeah. rest of my life. If I knew what God knew, I would do what God does every single time. Every time. Every time. I am finite and I lack an, an incredible amount of information and perspective. And the information and perspective I do have is fallen, which means I can't always trust it. The Holy Spirit, I hope, by the Word of God and the people of God aligns my perspective to mm -hmm. be more accurate. But what I do know is that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be perplexed and shocked at how wrong I was, yeah. how much I missed. Yeah. I might be given new information that will change the whole game completely in terms of how I perceive reality. I think we're in for a lot of surprises when we get to heaven, not just about reality, but about ourselves, about sure. God. and. All of those like finger wagging moments mm -hmm. of accusation and fist pumping uh, toward God, I think we're going to regret massively. I totally agree with everything you said. And I think from a philosophical standpoint, people generally, they want to think of God as a, as a Santa Claus in the sky. They want to think of God as one that is the great rescuer. He's the one that's up there to take care of his people. And to the degree that is true, but God's greater plan for humanity is not that they have a happy life, but that they become conformed to the image of a son. And so that usually means bad things have to happen, that turmoil and trials, and Jesus even promised, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have problems, but don't fear. I've overcome the world. Most people want to think of God as the great Santa Claus. And when he doesn't come through, then they're quick to blame. And they naturally assume that Satan is involved at all. Mm. Or if he is, you know, then he's minimalized. You made a, a statement a minute ago that I think we just need to circle back on about the atheist. I have never personally met, and I've not met every atheist, but I've talked with a <laughs> lot of people that claim, I, I don't believe that there's a God. I have never met someone who would make that statement without them having a personal history of how they feel God has let them down. And because God let them down, they cannot believe 
and a God who let them down, disappointed them, didn't intervene when they thought he should. Oh, yeah. And therefore, they're angry, they're mad, they're they're disappointed, and then that disappointment in God then drove them to the point where, well, I just don't believe anymore. Yeah, so like if you're listening to this and let's say you are an atheist, um, you're probably the rarity of our podcast, most atheist to listen to Q&A podcast. Yeah, you know, so I have no, um, I don't know, you don't either. Like I don't have any um, animosity towards atheists. Not at all. I don't agree clearly because we're obviously pastors and believe in God. So, but I think the atheist has to come to grips with something. And this is not just anecdotal. It's also statistical. Statistically, all the research has showed that atheists are by and large angrier and reactive against experiences or injustices that they or experiences that they perceive to be injustice. It's also interesting that the vast majority of communist world dictators have been atheists to some degree. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a concerning thing. Some of the most evil men in the world have been atheists. Now you could retort and say so. So they've been theists as well. So sure, yeah. but by and large, atheists uh, the vast majority are reactive to injustice and. My personal experience, I've met a lot of atheists, again, not all of them in the whole world, 100%, 100% are angry. Yeah. I'm not saying that their whole posture in life is anger, but when the subject of God comes up, they're angry. It's a hot button. Yeah. Typically, most people who aren't angry, they're agnostic, meaning they'll just say, I don't know. I don't don't have confidence there is. I don't have confidence there's not. Agnosticism is the level-headed person's perspective on eternity. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the only way to get out of agnosticism is through logic. Logic should eventually point you to the necessary reality of a creator. But the only way to get out of theism, even polytheism or monotheism is irrelevant, is by the gospel. Yeah, right. The only way to get to Jesus is, is through the gospel. So, uh, and it's not meant to be offensive when we say that about atheists. It's just one of the things you have to deal with is statistically speaking and anecdotally, experientially, most atheists I know are pretty pissed off at God. Well, all of them are. Yeah. Or the concept of God, if there is one. Mm-hmm. Most agnostics are just like, yeah, whatever, for what it's worth. And again, it's not meant to be harsh. It's just, it is. Mm-hmm. And if this were a different podcast, let's say this was a, 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 a atheist podcast, and you said, all the theists that I've ever met are X, Y, and Z. I want to <laughs> listen to that. Yeah, at I least say, listen okay, to it and, like, and consider, is, yeah. is there any truth in this statement? Totally. And wow, that's interesting. You have that experience. So do I do that? Because that's not becoming whatever... If it's a negative thing, it's not becoming, and I don't want to be that. Like, every Christian I know is a bigot. Oh, I don't, I don't, wow, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's that stinks. Like, what did they do that communicated that, and how can I not be that? Right. So, here's our next question. Why are imperfect people used to depict a perfect God? Yeah.